Visit Arcade Club, Europe's largest classic arcade, with over 200 video and pinball machines, there's classic consoles and computers, there is also PS4s, Xbox Ones, Wii U, PC and Oculus Rift, and regular tournaments and competitions. All machines are set to free play. Open Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. Check out arcadeclub.co.uk for more details. Tenpence Arcade are proud members of the Throwback Network and the Retro Junkies Network. Hello and welcome to the Tenpence Arcade Evening Podcast with me, your host, Victor Marland, and my lovely co-host, Sean in your face, Holly! Well, that's ruined that, hasn't it? Yeah. You alright, Vic? You're not bad, mate. How are you? I'm alright, thank you. I have had a heck of a day. I feel what you've been doing. Playing Ladybug nearly all day. (laughs) Right. I got so annoyed with myself in the end, I had to have a bath to chill out a little bit. Have you played it for over an hour? Yes. Oh, God, yes. I've well, played lots. That's 55 minutes more than me, then. You're not going to get for one of them, for that, don't you? A ping. <laughs> oh! Oh, my cranium! Less of your cheek, young man. And okay. tell me what you've been up to lately. Oh, I've had a fantastic two weeks. Have you? Probably better than me, then. Go on. Yeah, last, two, uh, last week I was at Arcade Club all day. All day? Doing what all day? Playing or working? Yeah, well, I was kind of playing and talking and chatting. Because I was was carless, so I got a lift over with Tony who works there. Oh, I see. And he got there at 10 in the morning, and he left at half 11 at night, so I was there all day. That's a long day. It was brilliant, and I met quite... Because I was there so long, I actually met everyone that went. You know, because I miss quite a lot of people, I think. So I've I've got a list of shout-outs, so I can shout-out to all of those people I met. Shout at them in their faces. Shouting outing. Yes. Did you do a walkthrough there as well with your video camera? Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, there's a walkthrough. It's on our YouTube channel. A lot of people have seen it already, but have a look at it. And you've got it's... fishy eyes, sir. I've got one of them wide-angle lenses. Oh, is that what it is? Fish eye. Yeah. Fish eye. But YouTube cuts off the left and right side of it, so it doesn't look too fishy. Oh, okay. Mm. It's all right. It's a, it's a cheapy thing, but it does the job. It gives you an idea of Arcade Club if you've never been. So check it out, boys and girls. I know what Arcade Club looks like because I've been there before. <laughs> yeah, it's very, 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 very good. It's pretty cool. Yesterday. Yes, yesterday. Not far away. There was... Well, I don't know the lyrics. All my troubles seem so far away. So tell me what happened yesterday. I went to an event in Liverpool called I Play Gaming, a company called I Play Gaming that put events on all over the northwest at the minute, but that will expand. I play gaming. I play yeah. What, <laughs> and down based... in Liverpool, whereabouts in Liverpool was it? Uh middle. Not Birkenhead. <laughs> no, middle. It was L one postcode, so it must have been middle. <laughs> I didn't see Middle of Liverpool, where it's yeah, nice. So I was helping James Boss. Retro Games party out. Mm-hmm. We just put some what are they called them arcade machines that's the ones yeah Yeah, put some of them in a looping van took them over so all the kids can play them and then took them back again and they have an audio diary okay a diary made of audios and it is here hey kids it's three o'clock on saturday afternoon and no saturday afternoon nap for me i'm taking a load of cabs over to liverpool with james rgp for an event there by i play gaming 
We've just stopped off at his place to load out running and then we're going to his lockup to put another nine or ten cabs on and then we'll be off. Oh yeah. Okay, it's quarter to five. It took us a bit longer than expected to load up at the lockup due to trying to get all the cabs on in different configurations. So we've got a motor to get to Liverpool in an hour because we need an hour to set up. Okay, it's 10 to seven. The event is just about to start. Everything's set up almost. Just got to find a bit more power for a couple of the cabs and then we're ready to go. All right. Right, James, it's quarter past seven. Everything's been set up. Everything's running brilliantly. It's already getting full this event. What do you think of it? Awesome again, as always. Uh, the iPlay guys are just going from strength to strength. Uh, really happy to be part of their their growth, actually, and uh, that we're along for the uh, for the ride and another slightly stressful load load out. But uh, yeah, we managed it. Good weightlifting. Who needs a gym membership? I know two steps. That was tricky, wasn't it? Oh, come on. Yeah, weakling. <laughs> Not high steps. <laughs> anyway, it's going well. We'll check back in later on in the night and see how everything's going. Absolutely. Okay. At this point in the night, I do a video walk around, so please check out our YouTube channel, Ten Pence Arcade, for that. Merseysiders or something against the randoms. Come to, come to here. This is where you're playing. Give them a round of applause. This, I mean, we're all winners. Here they are. Still nil nil. It's like an international friendly match. Yes! Hi Mike, it's the end of a very busy night, have you enjoyed it? Absolutely, yeah, it's been, been one of the best nights we've had so far. Yeah. I, I thought it went really well, it was a, it was a really fast start, 300 people arriving, big yeah. queues, and then all of a sudden everybody was in and everybody was happy. So what is iPlay Gaming? Tell me a little bit about it. Social gaming, we want to bring people together and experience gaming together in the living room, take it off online, it's all moved online now, yeah. we want to bring it back into the social atmosphere. Get people drinking beer, get people eating grilled food, and get people socialising and gaming. So what's a typical night, would you say? What, what are you aiming for overall? Well, a typical night, we've had three events so far, so yeah. a, typical, a typical night's <laughs> one of those. Um, we, a typical night would be, we've had 300 people pretty much at each of the events, so this yeah. one was a little bit larger. Um, so 300 like-minded gamers. Mm. I don't think you'll find a better crowd of people. Um, mm. Everybody's just in a real mood to have a good time. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not like a nightclub event. It's a, it's just no, it's every, good, it? everybody comes together for gaming. Um, I think it, you get your retro side of things. So we've got a few old consoles. We bring the arcades yeah. in. The arcades go down really well. Um, then you've got your new side, and that's generally what we stick to on the stage. So we've got mm. um, stage gaming with the comedians. Competitions and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we've got competitions as well. And we've got the comedian compare on, on stage, just yeah, he was ha good. having a good yeah. laugh with everyone. Yeah. 
and the DJ as well. The DJ, yeah, yeah. she was good. So usually we've got um, chip tune, um, so that's a growing scene as well. Mm. So uh, usually we've got chip tune, but we we went for a, a Liverpool DJ this time. Yeah, um, yeah she and was she was yeah, she was great. I think. I think a, a mixture would work well of, of both kind of festival party songs and then the chip tune mm. as well. So maybe that's something we'll look to do in coming events. Yeah, the food was good as well, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So we've used those guys twice now. Um, cowboys from, from Sheffield, and they came over today. Um, yeah, we, we'll probably um, look to change next time we're, we're going to the same cities. Um, but yeah, they're good. We'll, we'll, we'll keep them in future events. But, uh, hopefully we can get maybe two food vendors at the next one as well. So yeah. we had nachos and the burgers tonight. Hopefully yeah, we can yeah. now sustain two two grills or two different different types of food supplies. So what's your future plans? Are you going to expand global domination? Or global what? domination. I'm not sure that's quite on the cards yet. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to expand. Yeah, we, we've um, we've been really well received uh, with the first three events. So we're definitely mm. going to expand. We've got a Leeds event coming up. Um, yeah. Sheffield venues, but. Um, whatever city you'll have, we'll, we'll mm, be that's there. That's brilliant. The, the nature of the event is that it's 350 odd people. Um, and as such, any city can really sustain us. We can go to mid-sized cities, large cities, wherever mm. you want. 350 people is not all that many. Mm, brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's good to talk to you, Mike. And uh, we've got a lot of packing up today. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much. All right, thank you, mate. Cheers. Thanks. Right, James, it is 2.14 in the morning. Everything's loaded onto the back of the Luton and we're in Liverpool centre. Should we go for a beer? Oh, yeah, why not? Yeah, let's get drunk and then drive home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a few old ladies and all that <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, so we're driving home now. It'll take about an hour to get back to Blackburn and then we'll offload the cabs. Uh-huh. Oh, are we having a brew on the way back? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, might as well. Yeah, go and get a coffee. Yeah. It's 4.01 in the morning. 4.02. Just offloaded everything now back into the storage unit. I'm going to take the Luton van to get refueled and then go to bed. Ooh, bed. Ooh, it just started snowing. Okay, that was a good evening. Those iPlay gaming events are good. They're good atmosphere. It's like the Batcave event that I go to in Blackburn, but on a bigger scale with the retro games, the modern competitions and also the arcade machines and that be it brilliant it was good wasn't it I say brilliant I haven't actually heard it yet I'll be putting it in post I haven't listened to it yet but was it good fun yeah it's excellent actually it's very tiring but it was, it was really good fun I do enjoy them yeah humping cabs giggity mm, no that doesn't no. sound right no I don't sound good that mm. And also, by the time this comes out, there'll be a video walk round on the tubes of you, YouTubes. Oh, excellent. We like a vid walkthrough. Yeah. Well, should we be playing stuff? Been playing flicky still. Oh, get in with the programme, Grandad. That was finished weeks ago. I love it. It's the best game, nearly the best game ever. Yeah. Uh, if, if a flicky had a World War II biplane, yeah. or no, not a biplane, a bomber, maybe? I don't yeah. know. You'd be in the environment, wouldn't you? You're, not, you're making less sense than me, Vic. What are you? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's that bath. There's some bath salts out in it affecting me. <laughs> or maybe an aeroplane that collects chickens. Uh, right. It's mixing 1942 with Flicky, isn't it? Oh, right. I see, I see what you're oh, on about. Fly you're me, cr- it's you're wasted crazy, on you. Loon. My crap jokes are wasted on you. They really are. 
Yes. So what kind of score are you on Flicky now? Because you're on about 700,000 when we did the challenge, weren't you? Yeah, I've doubled it. I'm on what? 1.5 million. Oh my lord, that is really good. And I'm getting gameplay tips from the world-class John Munkus and Daniel Robbins over in America. Yeah, them two are really good at it. Oh, is it are they very close to each other? Six and eight million, is it? Yeah. Oh, goodness they're gracious. They're giving me tips and that there was a... A kind of a hidden Japanese video that you can't find on YouTube. Oh, right, okay. Uh, you type in flicking, it's not there because probably it's in Japanese. So they, ah. somebody's just gone through it perfectly so you can get tips from how they do each level. Yeah. And apply those tips. Is it a lot of memorization? Because I'm not good at those. It is, but the I think the, the best thing about flick is finding your own route through the maps. Yeah, there's, there is skill to memorization. It's not just, oh, I remember that, because it is hard, as well as playing skillfully at the same time. So, yeah, yeah, not for me, though. I'm not that good at those sort of things. It almost becomes muscle memory, you know, because you, yeah. you start off, you can be chatting to someone, and you start off, and you've done half the level before you realise what you're doing. Yeah, I understand, because like, when, when I have people around to play sometimes, or, or we meet up with friends, and we're all chatting away, and we're all talking behind each other and playing, I tend to play better in some respects. Yeah, I it's do. Just the, it's just the, the, the ambient environment, I think, when you're there and you're mm. into it and you're sort of concentrating. But, yeah, it's got to be muscle memory because you're not really giving it your 100% concentration because you're yapping to other people and stuff mm. and listening out for things and seeing people walk past and all that sort of thing. You kind of zone out to the game and you end up playing brilliant. I've done mm. that loads of times, yeah. Cool. So what have you been up to, sir? Well, through the weeks, the last few weeks, uh, I've been playing quite a lot of Ladybug. I've got right into it. Uh, we'll talk about that, obviously, later on. Yeah. Um, but when I go in there, I have a little way of doing it. I go in, right, I turn mm-hmm. the cabinet on that's got the 60 and 1 in it. I haven't got an original PCB, unfortunately. Um, but I play it on a 60 and 1. It's really good on that. And I turn that cab on, and it obviously takes a little bit of time to load up because it loads the games up. It's not instant like a normal PCB. Yeah. And when I'm doing that, I turn on Cosmic Alien, R. Allen, and I have a quick game of Cosmic Alien because that comes on immediately because it's original PCB and it's just straight there. When it's, as soon as the monitor warms up in two seconds, it's there. I've been playing mm. a quick game of Cosmic Alan, then I move on to Ladybug. And I got 34,000 the other day when I told you about it. And this morning mm. I got 36,000, 36,640, which is my new personal best. That's a big score, that. I do like it. I like. I really like that game. I still play it. I mean, I sort of bought that on a whim, really, thinking oh, I'd be a bit of a novelty having a wall mount. And I mm. play it probably more than anything else. Because it's just mm. there, and it's a quick game, and you can do have a quick game, and that's it. It's real quick. I love it. Really nice. Oh, I'm just looking on Orcade now to see what the record is. Oh, on Cosmic Alien? Yeah. I doubt they've got one. Yeah, Cosmic Alan. <laughs> what, they, do they, they not know what's on them? Right, there's three arcades in America. Oh, my word. I bet they're massive. 293,000. Oh, that's a huge score. That's by Robert Mruzek, who's... Oh, Mruzek, yeah. That's a, he's an incredible player, isn't he? He is, yeah. He was uh, a Twin Galaxies um, referee for a while. Or he might still be, I don't know. I think he's number one rated. They have ratings by player now, and I think he's number one on Twin Galaxies. He's got the Star Wars world record as well, I think, the original Vector one. He's got loads. He has got loads. That's good. That's really good. So what is the other scores on there? Or is it just a top score? It, they just put the top score on, but 293 is massive, isn't it? That is a huge... I'll never get anywhere near that. I'm happy... If I get to 50k on that game, I'll be ecstatic. That'd be a really good score, I think. Mm. Oh, actually, no, he's not at the top. 
on Twin Galaxies. Tom Tom Duncan's at the top as the arcade skill index. That must be the player with the most world records. Oh, right, okay. And our friend Martin Bedard, who I interviewed way back in Play Blackpool last year, he mm-hmm. is fifth. Yeah, he's, he's got loads. He's got 106 world record, arcade world records. Oh, my Lord, really? 106? Yeah. Well, not world record. Hang on. It might actually be world Jeepers records. Jeepers, creepers. That's a lot of records. And not number one or number twos, I think it's, yeah. Wow. wow. Excellent. Mm. I've also been catching up with a lot of um, the Galloping Ghost podcasts. I listened to one of the first ones. It was a little bit rocky. Their recording wasn't too good. But they've come on leaps and bounds. They're really good now. And they tend to talk about high scoring that's gone on in the arcade because they do a lot of high scoring there especially with arcade and it was quite interesting because one of the ones um i think we've discussed it off air before they were talking about um point padding yeah or, or point pressing or point scabbing or whatever you want to call where you sort of camp out and get extra points and keep getting them and they were saying about you know is it good having a real discussion of, is it is it worthwhile doing is it legitimate with world records can you do it because some are banned some aren't and it's quite a good discussion and also, they had a sort of a talk about legitimacy of old high scores on Twin Galaxy. And one of the ones that sort of made out for me, and it's still a world record, which I can't understand why, is stuff, I think Capcom games, the later ones, when you play a game, all the scores are in multiples of 10. And if you continue, it puts a 1 on the end of your score. And if you continue mm. again, it's got a 2 on the end of your score. And some of these scores have got 12s on the end. So someone has continued 12, and I think even 16 times in certain games, which is total rubbish. Yeah. And they're still on the high score. They haven't been removed, even though it's been proven to be illegal scoring. So I think I'm going to tend to sort of side with Orcade from now on, because they seem to have it right the way they're doing it. And I'm going to talk to Andy, Arcade Club, and see if they can get... If they can get sort of registered with Orcade to do to do UK world records there, which would be quite cool. Mm, would be good, yeah. Yeah, so I have to work out what they need to have and what they need to do to get the work to, to get recognised by Orcade. That'd be pretty cool, because I, I, when I was at the Underground Retrocade, I got a high score on Dig Dug, and that's a, a registered place for Orcade Records, and he put me on their, their, work, their records there. I don't know what it was. It was quite a nearly 300,000 points, something like that, and he put me on there, so my name's on there somewhere. I don't know what position it was. But um, it'd be quite good if we could do that, because we've got a lot of good players who go to Arcade Club, and I think they can get some world records, or even at least on the, the leaderboards of the world records there, I think. Mm, yeah. So if Charlie Farr one day did his world record on Galaxian, maybe, for instance, it would be recognised, which would be really cool. Yeah, he's good at everything. He was playing joust and all sorts last time. He needs to be stopped. Mm. Mm. I, I did offer to break his fingers, but to no avail. I second that. I also had a little arcade chum with me last Saturday, come round. Yep. Mr. Tronads was working in London. He was actually working in North London. He, he took about an hour to get here. I think he thought he was closer. And we played some games in the arcade. Nice. We played a bit of Cosmic Alien, we quite liked. Uh, he, he dug Death Race, as most people do. We played a bit of Ladybug, which was quite nice as well. And Dig Dug, we had a bit of a go on Dig Dug, so he's getting quite into that. And that's another thing that happened to me, actually, a bit of bad news. The morning he was going to come round, um, or the afternoon, I put, I put the Donkey Kong on in the morning, my Donkey Kong Junior with Donkey Kong in it, and he wasn't going right and there was no sound. I thought, oh, for goodness sake, come on. So I put my arm in the machine, wiggled the, the wires a little bit, because I know that, that PCB in there has got a few dry joints on, the, um, on some of the, the connectors. I give it a wiggle and it worked fine. So later on, about 10 minutes before he was about to come round, I turned all the machines on to get all going, turned Donkey Kong on, Black screen, nothing at all. I thought, oh, God's sake. Yeah. 
So when David arrived, Mr. Tronads, I was in the back of the Donkey Kong trying to get it woeing. And I thought, oh, I'll take Donkey Kong out and fix that later and put Donkey Kong Jr. in it, which is the original game. And I thought I was going to put it in there for a while anyway because I, I want a bit of a change. That didn't work either. Brilliant. Oh, dear. But since then, I've got it going. It was just a few... It was, um, there was a little... There's two chips on there which are colour proms for it. And they're notorious for going bad. And they had sort of like dirty legs. So I took them out, cleaned the legs off, put them back in again, give it a wiggle, and it works. And it's still working now, so it's mm. fine. But the DK board, I will have to have a look at that, I think. I think it's just some dry joints. Mm. Uh, can it, Yeah, you can get dry, dry joints. I, I struggle to get up after sitting down for a long time now. That's creaky joints. Oh, it's similar. You know what I mean? So what have you been doing? What have you been listening to lately? I've been checking out all the other arcade podcasts out there on the interwebs. Yes. And it turns out I've found 10 okay. dedicated arcade podcasts. I think, looking at our notes, I listened to all of those. Oh, I don't know the Arcade Hunters. I've not seen that one. I heard that one. Yeah, we've got Galloping Ghost, which we know about, Pie Factory. Yes. Broken Token, No Quarter. Yeah. And you've also got Arcade Heroes, which is a bit infrequent, which is the one Adam Pratt does from the Arcade Heroes website. Yeah, that's a great site. Diary of an Arcade Employee, which is a short one, 20 to 25 minutes, which is really good. Yeah, it's Vic Sage. I listen to him as well. Yeah, and he, he goes into really good detail about just one game and mm. talks about it. Mario Brothers was a recent one. That's really good. Yeah. Arcade Repair Tips, which is what it sounds like. I let them guys know their stuff, but it's a bit techy for me. Yeah. Arcade Outsiders, which is the John John's Arcade one. Mm-hmm. You've got Arcade Hunters which is another quite a technical, actually. Okay. And also, you've got Game Room Junkies, which I like because they have some really good interviewees on there. Yeah, I need to get into Game Room Junkies because those guys I was told about by the Broken Token guys. Mm, that's a bit infrequent as well, that one. But they had Gary Stern on uh, recently. Ooh, wow, cool. That, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah, so if we put some links to all the rest of them, and they're, they're our competition, so you can't listen to them. You can just know they're out there. Yeah, just know they're out there. Don't listen to them, kids. No. <laughs> Actually, the more the merrier. Yeah I, yeah. I know I listen to them all the time. Yeah. Nice to hear No Quarter back again. Yeah, I've not listened to that new one yet. They were in and out for a while, but now they're back, and they've released another one really early, because it was only mm. a quick episode, because it was about a, a game that's quite simple. I listened to that in a bath earlier. Very nice it was, too. Is that Robot Ron? No, no, new one, Frogs. <laughs> Ooh, I'm, I'm too behind. Rid it. <laughs> and on that riveting note... Let's do some arcade news. So there's some interesting topics on the UK VAC forums I've been looking at lately. I'm not mm. sure. I think Alex started one of them, our old mate Alex. Uh, show me your cocktail cabinets and show me your control panels. People have been putting up the nice pictures of their working control panels and also their, their cocktail tables. And I need to do some of mine, actually, because I've got um, some nice control panels I've actually made for my cabinet I've got recently, the cabaret I've been working on. I've finished off the optical one now. And obviously the, yeah. the single stick with the two buttons either side, the normal sort of universal one. And also my cocktail cabinet, I need to put some pictures of that on there of my Nintendo, my Space mm. Fever. But that's quite a good one because there's some really lovely cabinets on it. It's like a sort of excuse to show off your cabs on there, which is quite nice. Always nice to look at people's uh, decent work. Yeah, yeah. We've also heard that the Raspberry Pi 3 is out and a lot of the arcade community are already snapping these up to put in various projects yeah it's really powerful isn't it it's coming on quite mm. a lot now i mean even yeah. the normal pie would probably serve 95 percent of the arcade roms on mame and also lots of other sort of uh, console emulators but this one's going to be brilliant isn't it yeah you can actually tell the time on it 
and it, you can do a little calculator program as well at the same time. Wow, that is multitasking. <laughs> yes. You can probably do 10 billion of those things at once, I expect. Yeah, yeah. Really good. And it's still roughly the same price as the original ones, about 20, 30 pounds? I think it is, yeah. God, it's so good. Absolutely brilliant. And a UK invention. Brilliant. Mm, excellent. Royal Britannia and all that. Woo! We've had some news from Matt Sefton, who runs the Flicky blog. I love Flicky. You do, don't you? And he's got the Flicky Cabot Arcade Club. Oh, yeah. And, and there's another book coming out, The Untold History of Japanese Arcade Game Developers. Got it. Book three, this is. You haven't got this one. No, I haven't. I got the got one of the earlier ones for Christmas from Wife. And there's a, a bit in that which he's managed to get a bit of a preview of, and it's about from Yoshi Ishii, Yoji yes. Ishii, about Flicky, and it's about the inspiration of for it, the name, and, and the theme of the game, which is quite strange. But I'll let you read that. I'll put a link in the yeah. notes notes for that. Yeah, that's really good. Um, that mm. book is quite thick, and it goes into a lot of detail about some quite obscure Japanese computer games, and as well as arcade and console stuff. But a lot of it's quite interesting. Some of it didn't interest me that much because it's a bit too Japanese for me. But a mm. lot of it's really good. It'll be interesting to know the, the next book coming out as well. I've seen the DVD. Oh, right, yes, you did, so didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty decent. Excellent. Same comment. Some of it's not so interesting to me, but some of it is, yeah. Hmm. We have the Killer Queen arcade game that you've seen. Uh, did you play it? No, I saw it uh. from a distance, and I was really mm. upset that I couldn't play it. It's now available through Raw Thrills, so the little indie company that made it have been snapped up. Oh, nice. The game has been snapped up and they've added great side art to it. They've they've tweaked the gameplay, got rid of a few bugs, and it'll be available to the world. That's, so that's really good, good news, that is, mm. because they're a major distributor of um, raw, raw Thrills art, and that's Eugene Jarvis's company, isn't it? It is. That's really I've seen these cabs as well. Have a look on the show notes. They've got, like, stenciled side art now, and they look really cool. Mm. I love the control panel as well. It's a really nice little machine. Really, mm. I really want to play it. Hopefully, are you listening, Mr. Jarvis? <laughs> can you distribute this to the UK? It'd be yeah. nice to play it over here, mm. which is cool. You'd need a big arcade, wouldn't you? Hopefully, Sky Cursor might get snapped up as well. Ooh, ooh, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be really good. Mm. Also, while wandering around the internet, I found a Burger Time sequel, which you knew about and I didn't. I called... thought we'd spoke about it before. Have we? I think so. Yeah. Or I might have forgotten. Is it more than a week ago? Yes, probably. Oh, yeah, I've forgotten this. It's behind me. I've got the cart. Well, I've sort of borrowed it from Sarge. He's never getting it back. Called Diner. Yes, it's an Intellivision-only game. I know there's Peter Pepper's Ice Cream Factory. Is that not the one we talked about? No? We have before. They're very similar games. It's all to do with a little chef throwing food around and and hitting enemies. But, yeah, it's really good. Mm. Diner's really good. You get to... um, Kick meatballs in enemies' faces. It's awesome. Mm, it does look quite in, quite interesting. Good graphics, really. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh-oh, the Coleco Chameleon is in more trouble. This was the, what was it called? The RVG? Retro VGS. Yes, they're in more trouble. Uh, we won't go on to it. It's a bit sad news. Uh, we've put a link in there. Uh, it looks like the, pro- the project's probably dead in the water now. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, there's updates to this. I bet, bet that by the time this podcast comes out in three days, there'll mm-hmm. be updates to this story because it's just going on and on. Someone, some insider within the project has actually left now talking about it. Ah. And there was, yeah, just just read up on it and make your own mind up. But it does sound dodgy to me, the whole thing. Yeah, it's not looking good, is it? 
No. Well, even no. if the actual machine doesn't come out, hopefully those cases will be made and for sale because it's using the original Jaguar cases. Mm. Maybe people can use them for their own projects, or even if you've got an old knacker-looking Jag, you can tart it up a little bit with a new new case because they do clear mm. ones as well as black ones. And it'd be quite nice, that, because uh, someone did the same kind of thing recently with Commodore 64 cases. They did different coloured oh, yeah. ones, which are really smart. Here's an interesting one from one of the, one of the forums, UK VAC member, Andrew SM. He frames PCBs on his wall. So you think, yeah, they look nice. Then there's there's a kind of a an appeal to people like us of those. But they're actually playable. These PCs, he can link them up to a cab and play them. So they've got a little hole in the bottom to put a jammer harness. I don't know. That'd be really smart. What game are you playing? That one on the wall. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they, for a nerd in an arcade games room, that is an essential piece of artwork. It looks really yeah. cool. Actually, fashion, I've that. actually seen that before. Yeah, when I was on holiday in Denmark, I went to a little arcade there. It was like a game shop and with a few arcade cabs, and they had PCBs on the wall as well in a sort yeah. of framed case. It looked really cool. Very, very nice. It's interesting, that. But if it was me, I'd just use broken ones. I'd actually rather put the original ones that worked in a cab. Smacked him in a pony. Here's, here's some news that I missed last time. So it's old news, but it's about three weeks old. But a player discovers secret menus in Mortal Kombat games after 20 years. It's really old news, then, isn't it? Yeah. I can't believe no, the- hackers didn't find that because um, most of these PCBs, the ROMs, have been looked into by people to find cheats and how to you know fix bugs and all that sort of stuff, especially in Maine. I'm surprised mm. they haven't found that already. That's really weird. On the same note... Someone found some extra sounds in Donkey Kong, and I think Donkey Kong Jr. a little while ago, that weren't used in the game. The code was still in there, some little tunes, and they never used them. So it's weird what you can find. Yeah, it must be really hard looking through the code to to understand it, especially with a game that was as relatively big at the time as Mortal Kombat 1 and 2. Yeah, I can't read noughts and ones, can you? No. Not so good. Apparently, these menus... you do a sort of series of button presses and the menus allow you to watch various character endings, input initials directly into the leaderboard, run debug and diagnostic tests in the game cabinet and they also do something called coin bookkeeping. Okay. That's usually in sort of service menus anyway so you can see how many coins have been put in the machine since it was turned on and you know all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We have two interesting articles from Patrick Scott Patterson. One of them entitled... Was Radar Scope really bad enough to almost kill Nintendo? No, it wasn't. No, I like. I know Alex doesn't Nintendo arcade doesn't like it. I like Radar Scope. It's all right. It's a simple mm. game. Mm. And the other one. This is this is really good. The future of video games, as predicted in 1982. Yeah, Patrick Scott Patterson always writes well. He does some really yes. good, interesting articles. Oh, there's one Ooh. for sale. A lot of 162 arcade machines. Yes, please. Now, this was a, a thing that was announced on Dragon's Lair Fans Forum, and it's 162 arcade machines in the Czech Republic that are for sale at the moment. And Simon Dennison, our friend, who helps run the uh, Four Quarters Bar in Peckham, he is going to be organising this. And I looked at some of the pictures on the internet of the actual games in the, the place they're, they're sat in the warehouse, and they do look really interesting. Some good old games in there, some old stuff, and the, the cabs are really nice condition, but a lot of them are empty. They're just a cab. Right. And some have got missing control panels. Some are complete. Uh, some are missing PCBs. Some are missing chassis for the monitors, all that sort of stuff. But they're projects, and they're, they're well-known as projects. They're not being sold as working machines, and they're, they're really honest photographs of inside and out, the side of the machines. So it would be interesting to see some of them come to, the, to Europe and, and around the, in the UK as well. 
Mm. Very nice. Nothing I really fancy there, but I've got any room anyway, so that's me out. I'm out! (laughs) We have a couple of events coming up in March. We have Arcade 3 at the Centre for Computing History in Cambridge. That is next week as we record this, the 12th of March. Okay. So get down there. It's also a great little place to visit if you're into your arcade, uh, not arcade, computer history. And consoles and yeah, arcades. We've, all sorts we've of had a look, haven't we? Yeah, and also that evening is going to be a meet at Steve's as well. Yes. Who's one of the uh, the members on UK VAC. Mm. I'm going to Steve's meet. You? Yeah, by the sound of it, everyone is. <laughs> yeah, I think there is. He's going to have to have a big shed. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're quite lucky because your, your mum lives quite close to doesn't she? Yeah, I, I offered to take her along, but she said something like, not over my dead body, fatty. Yeah. yeah. Good old mum. Yeah, I love her. It is Mother's Day today as well. It is, yeah. Damn, I knew I'd forgotten something. Tell me about 8-Bit Flip. Yeah, 8-Bit Flip 2016, which is the Arcade Club video and pinball event. So it's been held at Arcade Club. Awesome. But they're adding Northern Lights Pinball are coming. They're adding a load of pinballs. Oh, right. So they're going to have all the competitions and the sort of contests that they did last year. So that's going to be excellent. 26th and 27th of March. Oh, it's too close to me. I can't go with that. Dang. Get yourself down there, kids. I would like to. And the last bit of news we've got, I found out recently that you're okay. Remember we went to Holland last year? Yes. Or the Netherlands, rather. And mm. that isn't on this year. Oh, unfortunately. It is. Cause I, I really, really enjoyed myself. It was a lovely trip, that was. Everything, everything was good. Everything was good about that trip. The, tr- the trip yeah. there was good. The driving was good. Yeah. The food was good. The ambience was good. The night out we had before was really cool. The event was aced. All the people there were really cool. And unfortunately, it's not on this year. But oh. I did say on the Dragon's Left Fans Forum, which the guys who usually go on there organise it, I said, okay, that's a bit of a shame. Come to Nurg instead. Okay, let's do some pickups, shall we? I've had a few pickups. The first one is I got a nice box from arcadejapan.co.uk. And for me, it was 40 24mm black buttons for my Vectrex project, which is going ahead. Shall I show you one? I'll show you one. Look, kids, look what it I've looks s- like. I've seen the picture. They've been black anodized, and I've engraved through the anodized Vectrex. It looks really nice at the moment. All I've got to do now is get some little handles made up for the, the joysticks and start assembling yeah. them. Oh, lovely. Which is nice. Also, I got some stuff from the same place, arcadejapan.co.uk. I got some stuff for Simon Dennison as well. Um, there's a bunch of joysticks and stuff for his projects he's doing. But also in the box, because it's quite a big box full of stuff, I got some panda biscuits and Asian sweets as well, which is quite <laughs> nice. I've seen them. Eat those pandas' weeping faces. They didn't last long. There's about seven biscuits in the bag. They didn't last very long. I nommed them at work quickly. Oh. Also, the lovely, joyous, lovely loveliness of Tony Temple mm. sent me some, a special potentiometer for my Asteroids volume control. It's a special one, and mm. I didn't have one. Because remember, it wasn't working quite well, the, the the volume control on my Asteroids. It kept going up and down all over the place. Yeah, extremely loud or very it's quiet, yeah. been cured now, thanks to Tony. Also, I got some Super Mario Brothers artwork for the cocktail cab, which I'm going to make up very soon. That's my next project online, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also got some Steve, who's known as Atari Tubin, the American guy we met at Smarty Martin's last meet, remember? Yes, yeah. So that's really cool. He scanned some originals for me so I can get them made up. Oh, I also forgot to mention the last time we spoke, I got a little book for Valentine's Day from the wife. 
Mm. It was called Terrible Old Games You've Probably Never Never Heard Of, mm. which is really good. It's a fun read, and, and I, I have actually heard of some of the games on there, which I used to own when I was a kid. It's a hilarious book. It's really well written. The only thing I can say about the book I didn't like is the last sort of about 10% of the book is just people's names who backed the project. Yeah. Which is a bit poor, uh, I thought. And, you know, obviously they backed the project, but I was a bit miffed to have to see them because it's pointless reading about names, isn't it? I'd rather have had a yeah. few more games reviewed. It would be nice. Constructive mm. criticism, I think. I got a book for, for Valentine's Day. Yes. It's, I think it's, a wife sent me it. I think it's about curries. It's called the, the Korma Sutra, something like that. The Korma it, Sutra. Awesome. So, so karma, it's about curries, I think. I've not looked at it yet. There's a lot of bearded guys in that, I've heard. Is there? Yeah. Chin <laughs> jumpers everywhere. Yay. Oh, that sounds wrong as well. Giggity. <laughs> oh, you should be having a surprise pickup as well. Yes. But Mr. Tronads hasn't delivered it to you yet. So when you see him next, he's got a little thing for a borrow from me. You can borrow it for a while. Oh, is it something to do with shooting stuff right in face? It is, actually. Ah, oh, excellent. Thank you. Uh, that's all I can think of at the moment. Mm. Tell you what, let's do some feedback. Yes. Got loads of that. Well, the first one is from, mm, here we go, Michelle or Michael Croder. Really fun podcast to listen to. I'll say one thing for Vigilante. Besides its fantastic plot, its hit sound effects are still the best in the business. So loud and satisfying. They're like 80s movie punch sounds amplified tenfold. The real reason why it falls short of Kung Fu Master, it misses all the game's design nuance. I could agree with that. Yeah. Kung Fu Master was all about high and low offense and defense and juggling all that the all of that, and there was almost nothing of that in Vigilante. It wasn't designed by Kung Fu Master creator Takashi Nishiyama of Street Fighter and Fatal Fury fame either. That's very why. John Munkus, my friend who does the flicky brilliance. Yeah. He, he, he's been catching up. He says, was listening to what you're eating. I've got a cupcake. Cupcakes. Cakes full of cups. It's what a cust- custard and raspberry cupcake made by wife earlier. Oh, God. So, carry on. I don't know if I should. It's not fair, that. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, John Munker says, was listening to the Mr. Driller podcast. So sorry I missed that. Heard you guys discussing Dr. Mario and want to implore you to do a versus Dr. Mario episode. Great game, and if you can clear 20 stages, it rewards you with a cutscene. In fact, there are two different cutscenes, one for normal speed and one for high speed. Hmm. John also pointed out to some Astro Blaster hacks by Clay Cowgill, and he didn't send them last time because he didn't want people hacking the game. Yeah, swines. He can do all sorts of stuff, like slow the fuel consumption down and everything. And he also said that there is an SG-1000 version of Flicky. We we wasn't sure, were we? Yeah, that's a sort of prequel to the Master System, wasn't it? Mm. Cool. I think it's a good idea to do Dr. Mario, because my wife loved Dr. Mario. I like it as well. It's a good little puzzle game. Mm, How would we... We could do that. We could do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Versus is um, totally emulated in MAME. I yeah. wonder if, if Mr. Alex, Mr. Chucky Egg, has got it on the Versus, because he's got the, a bunch of Versus games on his red tent. I'm not sure he's got Dr. Mario. I've not seen it yet. Mm. But Versus Bloom Fight we've got to do one day as well, because that's ace. Yeah. Next time yeah. you're down here, we'll go and see Alex. I forgot that. Mm. It's cool. Yep. Got another one. Rob, Big Louie. Excellent podcasting work. Just listen to the latest episode. I'd like to give a plus one to an idea you sort of had this opposite episode. A new section called What Charlie Farr Thinks. Oh, God, no. <laughs> nice tenpence orchestra jingle build-up to What Charlie Farr Thinks. 
He then says a one-line of incredible interest. He must have a plethora of insights of arcade goodness, and even if he didn't, he could just say incredible facts of outrageous importance, like eating too many bananas makes you sleepy. Does it? I don't know. Would be a worthwhile public service announcement if no arcade wisdom to be imparted. Might be amusing. Off to go and finish CNP, Chris's Nintendo Scratch Build Donkey Kong cap. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Steve, press play on tape. Ericsson from Retro Asylum. He says, hi, guys. Vic mentioned he was having no joy with MAME on the Mac. Check out this for emulation. It's all he'll ever need, which you already know about, don't you? Yes, this is a program for the Mac called OpenMU. You can get it on openmu.org. It's, he says here, select the download option, Experimental Build, which includes MAME. Uh, you'll never have to go back to streaming mess that is Windows ever again. But I used OpenMU, and some of the ROMs didn't work on it. And you can't... There's not a lot of control over MAME with it. But I use OpenMU already for lots of other emulators. NES, SNES, PC Engine, Mega Drive, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance. Loads. It supports loads and loads of emulators. And all you do... You run the program, you just drag the ROMs into the window, and it all sorts it all out for you. It's really easy to use. It's really cool as well. Mm. So I do use that, but not for MAME. MAME's a little bit better now I've got it set up on SQL MAME, but it's still not what I need. So I've got an old PC set up just to do little bits for the podcast, really. But most of the games I try and play on the cabinets, anyway. Alex Chucky Egg has put, ha ha ha, what a fantastic advert. That's the the last flyer uh, podcast image I did for Astro Blaster. Yes. Which really is just taking the two-page flyer and stitching it together and doing a bit more to it. But I just love that flyer. It is so good. Hmm. That dolly on the end looks fed up, he's put. And he's put, funny as heck, you stupid boy. He's on about the Astro Blasted song. Yes. I want a lyric sheet, please. I should get onto the Ten Pence Orchestra and see if they can actually remember or recall their lyrics. Actually, that means, what are you doing? Please stop. <laughs> Mr. Tronads, who was here last Saturday, it was he who mentioned the biscuit drought. Oh, sorry. Tronad. I think it was just just scare tactics. I think on his behalf. Yeah. Also, he says the ten pence, ten pence orchestra was not as bad as expected. It was. <laughs> Benson Rad, hi Benson Rad. Hey, where where are Vic and Sean in that advert? Yeah, didn't put us in. Didn't yeah, we went in, in there for a change. Mm. We're in this one. Oh, it's a good one. Oh, it's I a, think I think so. Funny. It's a funny one. Don't you be breaking tradition now, he's put. Another great podcast, chaps. I am warming to the Ten Pence Orchestra. Get oh, in. God, stop. <laughs> this week's song was a masterpiece, and it made me smile. Mm. And then on when he was, we were talking about Sega, he's put, I wonder where Sega will put their amusement parks. I can't imagine we'd get something like the multi-floor Trocadero from them nowadays. Oh, I wish. Mm. Again, I am sure I had a lot to say. would have forgotten it all. I like the idea of a 16-1 special. Yeah. I have one of those, not that I've used it yet, as the cocktail needs putting together still, but I have heard about emulation being a bit ropey. Ooh, no, the no. emulation's good. The sound's yeah. a bit ropey. The emulation's yeah. really good. Keep it up, chaps, and I shall hold you to that drink, Vic. Yeah, sure. Hopefully see you at Nerg. Mm. Rob, player missile, Rob McMullen. I wish I'd heard your gameplay tips before I played Astro Blaster. I didn't realise it had two buttons. <laughs> That's why I struggled. Yeah, and third straight Golden Age game. Looking forward to getting the lowest score on Ladybug. <laughs> well done. Retro Shmupper, great Astro Blaster episode. Would be good to tie up with you. We had to admit many games. He did an A to Z, didn't he, with yes. uh, RGDS? Yeah, we will. I think we will get on with them. In the future, when they want to do another one, we'll get on there, put our 10 pence worth in. Ah, see what I did there? Mm, yeah. Woohoo! Happy Dude UK. Driving home while listening to your back catalogue podcasts. 
Vic says he would love to see Mr. Pooh in a cabinet. I started laughing as I thought about what the side art would look like, only to realise the person who sat at the lights next to me was giving me strange looks. Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. I have to say it was the Ten Pence Orchestra's... Oh, God. Best track to date. Listen, people, listeners, don't encourage him. He's getting worse. (laughs) Steve Monkey Chunk. I don't know. Can we call him Monkey Chunk now? He's changed podcast, hasn't he? He has. Audio jerk off. But we know him as Steve Monkey Chunk. We can't call him that. No. Cannot wait for the first Tempest Orchestra. Tempest. Tempest Orchestra. Oh, now, don't. No, we're not, you're not doing a song for Tempest when we eventually cover that's Tempest. That's a good idea. I shall put it to him. In fact, I've got a member of the Tempest Orchestra here with me, the Disapproving Sheep, who did perform on last episode's <laughs> thing. You're dying to do it. Just do it. And this is what Disapproving Sheep will say. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Chris Smith. Excellent Astro Blaster podcast, lads. Where can I buy the Tempent Orchestra album? And he's put hashtag unappreciated in their own time. Well, to buy the album, you've got to go into Sean Mahoney's mind. Good luck with that. Sean Mahoney? McCauley? Yeah, Sean, Sean McCauley. <laughs> Maximum Paul. Damn it, guys. Why did you have to cover Firestarter this episode? It's now stuck in my head. Mm, they're great, them guys. Sean Courtney of Pie Factory Podcast. Love the podcast, guys. Sent us a video. Speaking of Tony Basil, he sent us a video of Tony Basil him. Yeah. And she is dancing with Davy Jones, right, from the Monkees. And I didn't realise she was that old. Oh, yeah. She's getting on a bit. So when she did Hey Flicky, she was nearly, she was 39 years old. Wow. Um, Mm. He's talking about this creepy video, which I had to watch you watch, and I will never, ever forget it now. It's got some clever black and white costume editing effects in it. I really like it, but it's quite nightmarish, the song. Yeah. So I think it's in the yeah. 70s, that one. It's good, yeah. though. Mm. Tin. Ten Pence Orchestra this week actually made me laugh out loud in public. Ugh. Wanted to like Ladybird so much. Lovely presentation. Great idea. Better than Pac-Man, in his opinion. But getting stuck on the edge of the maze way, way too often. So, no. I All I can agree. say to that is, man up. Get some cornering going, woman. I agree with Mr. Bronze there. CNP, Campaign for No Projectiles. Assuming it was Tenpence Orchestra who did the Outrun singing a few podcasts back, it was actually... Oh, I was involved in that, sorry. Uh, you did guest on that one. Mm. This is the third time that they've made me laugh, laugh properly <laughs> on the train and attract several strange looks from fellow passengers. Perhaps if you can track them down, you can in- interview them as a special feature. Other than that, a great podcast. Definitely stick to doing them on the proper mic and not still drunk from the night before. Funny as it was to hear yourself, hear you repeating yourselves throughout that podcast. Oops. Any chance to do a New Zealand story as a featured game? Oh, I'm not sure about that one. Maybe. It's a bit bit too well known for us. We need to do some more lesser known ones, some more obscure ones, I think, for the next It's few. not that well known. I, I never played it in the arcade. I did play it on the Amiga. Yeah, I did and, as well. And it was all right. I wouldn't have said I was a mad fan of it. I'm not a mad fan either. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I thought of something else. Mm. I had another pickup I forgot about. Wife yeah. bought me a lovely new microphone. It's a Blue Yeti. Ooh. Ooh. Do, do, do they exist? What, Blue Yetis? No, they're all white. Mm. Live in the snow. So. Duh. Yeah, you'd see a mile off, wouldn't you? Taz Dodge. Sorry to hijack the post, but can I ask about your podcast? Oh, funny you should say that. My nephew's been looking into doing one. I'm trying to, inverted commas, help. I bought a mic, a BM800, because it was cheap and looked nice. Then found it needed phantom power. 
Phantom power. <laughs> if anyone knows anything about mics, they know it's um, it's about 50 volts AC. So you need basically a power supply. And my little Alessis mixer uses it. This is for the, the three-pronged wires that go in the bottom of proper mics. Mm. And he also says, so back to eBay and found a compact and again cheap unit. He said the audio is still very low. I've gone into the settings and turned everything up but not helping. Could this be down to using a laptop? I've seen someone say that there might not be enough power for it on Amazon review for the mic. Or do I need to get a preamp or a mixer? Well, I would say don't skimp on something if you're going to get a decent mic. But then again, this mic's probably about £100. The stuff that RGP bought us years ago when we first started the podcast is a lot more than that with a mixer and I'm using this USB one now because it's very quick and easy to set up and I can just take it with me places and because yeah. there's, there's only one of me here at the moment I use that but when there's two of us here when you come down I have two mics plugged into it because you can't use two mics otherwise normally Yeah, but I would say not to skimp on it there's loads and loads of guides on the internet how to use it but it mm. should be okay on a laptop because you use a laptop don't you mate I just use a laptop and a USB headset yeah and that's absolutely it's a Sennheiser headset and it's about £40 pounds. Yeah, it's now about 25, actually. We've never like had a problem with your audio, have we? It's been great. No, no. Apart from your voice, obviously. Yeah, yeah, well, there is that. Alpha One says, thanks for the shout-out, guys, because he had a small person delivered. Yes, yes. So Daniel of Smashington, Dan Smash, the 10 pence orchestra rendition of Astro Blaster is a piece of high art fact. This is getting like the biscuit fiasco. It's getting out of hand. I love this guy. He's great. He just speaks the truth. He speaks what is truth. Dab YX or Dab Yix. Another top cast, guys. Wasn't sure about the previous orchestra, but this week makes me want an album. God. <laughs> Regarding the lady in the flyer at the end, isn't it supposed to be that she's with a guy next to her and he, and she's classically hot, but he's more interested in the game, probably. Yeah. Congratulations on the high scores, too. We had this picture from Leslie sent to us on Twitter. And it is a. It looks like an eBay auction for a badge, and the badge says, "I think it's for a Vic 20." Yeah. And the badge says, "Fall in love with Vic at a computer party." Most people do. <laughs> is that where Mrs. Ten Pence met you at a computer party? I wish. Mm. Uh, Neil sixteen thirty seven. Ah, Neil, managed to get back on track with these, and it's good to have you back in my ears. That also sounds wrong. Giggity. I thought this was really good, strong podcast, packing a lot of good stuff. I found myself nodding in agreement at how bad we are when going back to old controllers with D-pads. They seem so difficult compared to the analogue thumbsticks of modern controllers or the real arcade sticks. I've recently started collecting older consoles that I let slip through my sweaty teenage fingertips back in the day. And whilst I find nothing myself warming considerably to some of the golden era games, the controllers really do not hold up anywhere near as well as the hardware or the software. Anyway... Highlights from this episode, the Guns N' Roses soundbite, awesome. 10p Orchestra, it's the excitement in Sean's voice that really gets me. He's like an <laughs> excited child. <laughs> Astro Blaster was a pleasure to discover, thank you for the introduction. The 60 in 1 special sounds like a winning podcast, mainly because I actually own one of these. Also looking forward to your NERG updates. Cannot wait for this event, having lost my virginity last year. Pardon? Oh, the Nerg virginity. Okay. I'm booking myself a weekend ticket this year in the hope of catching up with you guys and some other names from the forum. This is him trying to invite himself along for the after event curry, which of course you're welcome to, sir. Yes. Lastly, I cannot believe that Mr. Holly does not drink tea. Really? There's Mm. a whole world of water-infused wetness waiting to welcome you in. You just haven't found the right match for you yet. To try and help you find your perfect brew, 
I'm going to send you some silver needle white tea in the post. It will look like some kind of Class B controlled substance, but trust me, it's amazing. <laughs> no milk, though. He messaged me saying, do you want some tea? I went, no. I'd rather lick me old hole. <laughs> and I went, no, really, no, but thanks, no. I just don't, I just don't like the smell of it or anything. You're weird, mate. I am. Well, we know so. that, but you're ultra weird. Mm. On that weird note, let's do some shout-outs from some lovely people. Bon voyage. First one's from me, Mr Tronads, David Hamilton. He was working in North London and popped over to see me in South West London. We had a good time playing a few rounds of Ladybug and he dug some of my cabinets, which was nice. Mm. Did he dig Duggum? <laughs> ho, 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 ho. That's one too many hoes there. Yeah. Oh, that sounds bad. We're going to have to edit a lot of this, you know. Giggity, giggity. Yeah. I am giving a shout out to all the people I met at my extended stay at Arcade Club last week. Mark Singy, I haven't seen him for ages. Mm-hmm. He works there, and I haven't seen him for ages. Nad Equities, I haven't seen him for ages. I've only met Nad once. He's a nice guy, but I hardly had time to talk to him. Hopefully we'll see him at Nerg or something. Yeah, I never really spoke to him until last week. Mm-hmm. Mark K, who's started putting scores in on our games, is a nice guy. Is he beating us? No, but he's not bad. He's, he's good at defender, you know. He's still a nice guy, then. Mm. Dan Smash, yeah, and he's, I put a link to his YouTube channel because he's doing some proper... St- you think 10 pence orchestra's bonkers? You want to see some of these? Yeah, I've seen some of them. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Frothmeister, I had a good chat with Danny. Yep. And a met guy called Mark, ex-Mosquito. Oh, he's a good player. Completely trashed us on Final Fight. He won CC'd it. Yeah. And I was speaking to Charlie Farr later on, and he said, oh, I wish you'd introduce me to that guy because he won CC's loads of games, and I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. So I had a look at his YouTube channel, and the stuff, he's got one video entitled 21 arcade games completed and one credit 40 minutes so it's a speed up of 21 games that he's done in the last two and a half years i've seen that before he's really uh, good and he's he's done kung fu master sequel vigilante he's one cc that i think there's a method to it impossible i saw a little bit of that i watched it through and spun through a few bits and i noticed the vigilante was doing a lot of same moves on it mm. so i think there might be a like um a method to that God knows how long it took him to learn it, though. But the one that I liked, right, at the very end of the video, he's playing, and obviously completing, a gun game, but he's playing it with a mouse on his cabinet. Yeah. But at the same time, he's playing with a dog that's standing on the cabinet whilst completing a game. <laughs> he's taking the mick out of that game, isn't that man? So well done, as ex Mosquito. Yeah, looking at the games, he, he seems to prefer side-scrolling shooters or fighters. Hmm. Shinobi, Sunset Riders, Final Fight, Splatterhouse. Uh, Sunset on... Riders? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. No, it's not. Ghosts and Goblins, Wonderboy 3. Oh, yeah, brilliant. I, I should have chatted to him. I didn't know all this. Hmm. Chatted I'm sure you got a chance to us then. Yeah. I should have chatted to him more. Uh, that is my shout-outs concluded. Shout-outs done, then. Right, let's get on to Tech Tips. This is part one of two. This is recapping a monitor. It's quite a common procedure people do to their cabinets and can be a little bit dangerous, but not if you do it properly. Mm. If in doubt, don't do it. Okay, that's me out then. If your monitor is looking a bit dull or you might have a bit of a screen wrap round at the top or bottom, maybe a bend on the side on the pin cushion or many other small faults, sometimes, in inverted brackets, a cap kit can cure these little problems. 
If it doesn't, a cap kit is still worth doing when you get a machine, as the capacitors are one thing less to worry about and will only need doing once in their lifetime for the monitor. If you pick up a cab that's had a life in an arcade or out on location, it will probably benefit from a cap kit. I'm not saying cap kits are a cure-all for monitors. They are certainly not. And some professional monitor repairers don't like to do cap kits. They just like to leave the caps in there if they're performing well and just replace the ones that are broken. Right. But if you're not an expert, and I'm not, and you get a, a cabinet with an unknown monitor in it, or you, you can sell it's quite old and never had any capacitors replaced, it's a good idea to do so. And it's not that difficult to do. Uh-huh. So a cap kit is a kit of common capacitors from a monitor chassis that controls certain things on the monitor image that are known to fail and cause problems. In these, these kits you can buy, you may get a cap map, which shows you where the certain value stroke voltage of the caps are on the chassis. You can find them easily. You may find in the kit the replacement cap has a higher voltage rating than the original, which is perfectly fine. You can safely go up in voltage on a cap, but do not go down. They're rated that for a reason. So you can use a higher voltage one, no problem. If you're more of a pro or have a stash of various capacitors yourself, you can make up your own kit. You don't have to buy one from eBay. You can just make up your own kit. They're only common common capacitors. Or buy them from Maplin or RS Spares or Mauser or whatever. All you've got to do is adhere to the same voltage rating or slightly higher rule. Caps with much higher voltage ratings will be physically bigger, so not advised to use, because they might not actually fit in the holes where they're going to be put. So, for example, you wouldn't use a 400-volt rated cap where a 51 is sufficient. Mm-hmm. Right, first things first. Make sure you have a decent, well-lit space and enough room to comfortably work. You will also need to concentrate on what you're doing, so try and do this task when you have a little bit of me time to yourself. Yeah. To remove the chassis from the cabinet, which you need to do first, you need to disconnect all the wires from the chassis to the glass tube. The main thick red second anode wire, which is the scary one, this is the one the rubber suction cup, needs to be discharged. That's in big bold letters, needs to be discharged before you can remove it. This is very important. There are potentially large vaults under there that could potentially kill you. So Mm. if in doubt or you're scared, don't do it. Get a professional to do it. But I have done it. And it's not a difficult. It, it's scary the first time you do it, but once you do it, if you do it safely, it's no problem at all. So discharging the monitor. If you're capping a raster monitor, you can use a homemade discharge tool, which is a long insulated handled screwdriver, some decent gauge wire, and a crocodile clip. It sounds a bit odd, but that is actually what it is. It's the wire yeah. that's attached to a, a metal part of a screwdriver. You hold onto the plastic part. It's that simple. And you can get internet guides on the internet how to make these. But if you are discharging a vector monitor, don't use one of those. You need a high-voltage probe because there's other components in it you need. There is ways of doing it, but I would suggest to use a high-voltage probe. I always use my HV probe. But the very first monitor I ever did, I used a handmade tool, and it worked just fine. Some HV probes can actually be attached to multimeters, and the probe cuts down the voltage rating on the meter by a 1,000. So when you're discharging your tube with a charge actually in it, you can see the voltage dropping on the meter. For example, if you see 20 volts, it's actually 20,000 volts coming out of it, and it will slowly go down to zero as it's discharging. Right. In actuality, when you discharge a monitor that's been off for a while, you generally won't see any sparks or hear any hiss because the monitor has naturally discharged itself. The tube is actually a big capacitor and can store a charge. However, when working on any monitor... Always discharge it first. You should always then leave it five minutes and do it again just to make sure. I always do that. To actually discharge the tube, click the black 
Clip the black wire with a crocodile clip to the earth braid that is around the monitor screen. This is earth. Place one of your hands in your pocket. This is a safety thing. If you are touching the monitor with two hands and you get shocked, the voltage could pass across your arms and chest and heart and give you a heart attack. So I always put one hand in my pocket. It might sound stupid, but a lot of electricians do it when they're working on cabinets. Oh, God. So you push the tip of the probe under the rubber suction cup on the tube, usually at the top of the monitor if it was mounted horizontally. You'll see it okay. It's easy to find. You may get a click or a pop if you're in the right light or angle. You may even see a spark. It doesn't take too long to do, especially if it's a modern monitor or has been off for a while. Wait five minutes. Do it again. When you're satisfied it is drained, remove the suction cup wire. You have to squeeze the two prongs under the cup together. You squeeze it from the outside to be able to remove it from the chassis because they sort of stick out from side to side in a hole. Yeah. I usually touch the prongs on a metal part of the monitor cage to ground it again. I do this multiple times just to be sure when I remove the chassis from the cage. If you haven't removed all the other wires from the chassis, do so. You should now be able to remove the screws that hold the chassis in place and remove the chassis from the monitor. You are now ready to replace those old caps, which we will cover the unsoldering and soldering next time. But what I say about this, it's it's not it is an easy thing to do, but the first time you do it, it's a bit worrying. And if you are in doubt, seek a professional's advice or get someone to at least show you how to do it themselves. I've done it loads of times now and I'm not worried about it. But if you've mm. never done it before, seek help. But there's loads of guides mm. on the internet and YouTube for that sort of thing. So now we go to a musical interlude. This is one you've picked, Vic. I've picked lots, but this is one you liked, yeah? I've picked one out of your picks, and it's Personal Friends of the Ten Pence Orchestra, Zuntata, that you band. You wish, you wish. When I say personal friends, I mean... They've never heard of you. And they're actual musicians. <laughs> and it's the Ninja Warriors that they did the music for, and they're doing it live in 1990. This is quite funky. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's good.
So that's that. Right then, let's get on the meat and potatoes of this podcast. We're doing Featured Game Review. And the game is Ladybug by Universal 1981, and it sounds a bit like this. Okay. Ladybug. It's brilliant, isn't it? I am going to opt out of this completely until what I think of it at the end. Is that all right? Can I give you one of these just in, in advance? What a- oh! My nose! What did you do that for? I've not said anything yet. So I know your feelings already. Oh, okay. Any road up. This is Universal's Ladybug, and I love it. Did I told you I loved it? A few times. Mm, I love it. Right, I'm going to read directly off the little flyer that's on the cabinet here. This is called How to Play. By working the lever, which is the joystick, players move the ladybug and wipe out all the dots on the course, which are actually flowers. Get it right. Don't let the ladybug be eaten by the enemy. Predatory insects, lucanus, longicorn, anti-lions and rear horses. What? That chase the ladybug around the screen. Use the turnstiles to allow the ladybug to judge the enemy. The predatory enemy insects cannot turn the turnstiles. When the ladybug hits the skull mark or is eaten by an enemy insect, it disappears. When players lose all the ladybugs, the game is over. Scoring. The scores awarded when various dots, which are flowers, they're not dots, are eaten by the player's ladybug are as follows. So a flower is worth 10 points. Uh, a featured letter is worth 100, 300 or 800. And a vegetable is worth 100 to 9,500 points. It mm. actually says on this flyer 100 to 5,000, which is totally wrong. They start on a thousand, they go up to nine and a half thousand. Right. Features. There's a special extra and a bonus feature. When all special letters in red have been eaten up, players are awarded another game. Extra. When all extra letters in yellow have been eaten up, another ladybug ladybug is awarded. Bonus. Each time the blue heart is eaten, the dot multipliers multiply from two to three to five times. Right, those instructions aren't brilliant because there's bits missing out of this. Mm, they're official instructions as well. Yeah, but they're not right. It must be yeah. something to do with the Japanese um, translation, translation, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So monsters do not come out of the centre of the screen until all the white bricks have been eaten up by green around the outside of the screen. It sort of counts down around the screen. Yeah. They start off slow, but speed up considerably until they plateau at eight seconds until the first enemy bug comes out. You will hear an audible change when a mini bug is about to come out. After level two. They speed up and they can catch you up. And after level five, they're a lot quicker than you. There are eight different types of enemies, but they're only really graphically different. After level eight, you get four different bugs on the screen chasing you at their different speeds. The scoring, the blue letter heart is 100 points. Yellow letter heart is 300 points. And a red letter heart is 800. And you multiply these by two or three or five times, depending on how many blue hearts you've eaten. Mm. So you eat the blue hearts and it turns your multiplier up. The little X flowers are worth 10 points each and also affected by the multiplier, so they can be worth 20, 30, or 50 points also. The fruit in the centre isn't multiplied, it's only worth what it says it's worth. It's a maze game, basically, and you can alter the, the screen maze by turning the turnstiles. So you can actually outrun meanies by turning the turnstiles and locking them out of where you are. Mm. But the maze is, is designed accordingly, so you can't actually turn the turnstiles around and lock yourself in. Because the game would never end. Because so you keep getting stuck on the corners. No, no, I never get stuck on the corners because I'm an expert at this game. <laughs> yeah. 
because I can use a joystick properly. <laughs> so it's basically a maze game, but you, you can run around eating the stuff without any monsters on there. And when that, that timer goes down around the outside and the bricks will fill up, one of the monsters comes out. And if the monster hits a skull sign, which is, it's, it goes from two to six of them on the screen at later levels, he'll die and disappear back into the middle of the screen. And it's got to wait for the, the bricks to run round again. But if the mm. bricks are nearly round when he goes back in there, he'll come out quicker. Yeah. Also, you will die if you hit one of the skulls. And I've also noticed today, if you kill yourself on a skull, which is a stupid thing to do, all the other skulls on that level disappear. Mm. Which is actually a bad thing in reality to do with the bonuses later on, which I'll get onto. Is there any AI to the insects' movements? Because if they run straight into the skulls, they must be a bit thick. They are a bit stupid, yeah. All right. I think they do sort of chase you later on, but at the start of the game, they sort of wander around aimlessly, and you can outrun them pretty quick. But later on, they're just so quick, I think they just randomly run around the place. They don't really chase you, but some of them do. Mm. So play tips and secrets. Before the level begins, it shows you what three random letters you will have on the, letter, on the level and what the bonus fruit in the centre is going to be. You should always mentally know what letters you need for extra. Because mm. getting extra lives in this the game is key. You need them. And they've all oh, got okay. to be the E, X, T, R, and A has got to be collected when they're yellow. If you get them when they're blue, you don't get many points and you don't get an extra letter. And if you get them in red, you get more points, but you don't get any letters on your, your extra. That's what I was doing. I was just going for red, just hovering over the letters until they turn red. Got the red letters, got a bit of a score, got bored, switched it off. You need shooting. <laughs> I know you love this one, but oh my God, it's the opposite for me. Can I give you another one of these? No. Actually, no, I'll tell you what I'll do. Thomas, go for it. Oh, you So what I do to play the game is I get the three blue hearts first because that turns your multiplier up. So everything you, you collect on the screen, apart from the fruit, is five times as many points. So when you collect a letter when it's red, it's worth 4,000. I did that, yeah. Uh, and when, when you get the little flowers, they're all worth 50 points each rather than 10. So get the three blue hearts and make sure you always get the letters you want for extra and yellow. And don't worry about the other ones at the moment. Just try and get the yellow ones because when you get the extra, you get an extra life and you need extra lives. Why not go for the points? Just get stay out of the way, get the red letters and you have you get 4,000, don't you? So You do, but I try and... You don't have to get the yellow ones first, but make sure you do get them when they're yellow. If you get them any other colour, you'll miss out on your extra. But yeah, you can you can hang around waiting. But what I try to do is try and time the colour change because they change periodically. They stay mm. blue for ages. They're only red for one second. Yeah. And they stay yellow for about three to five seconds, I think. Mm. So you sort of know when it's going to change. When it's been blue for ages, you know that letter's going to be red. So if you go near it, you can just quickly land on it. And you can actually hover right over the letter. Yeah. So you're yeah. not quite over it. And you just get it quickly when it's red. So when you get the, the the yellow letters as extra, any of the letters you get, or you, if, you, if you've already got, say, an X, and you don't need an X on the next level, you can get it when it's red, because you've already got the letter. It won't disappear. So you mm. get the big score. So these points on the letters are worth more than most things in the whole game. Because when you've got the five times multiplier going, and you get a red letter, it's worth 4,000 points, 800 times five. Mm. And that gets you up to points really big. And you should also work out where you can nearly hide from the enemy bugs and wait out there until the end of the level... When all the bugs are out, in the centre appears a centre fruit. If you mm. grab this, you get a load of points. It starts off on 1,500, and it gets up to 9,500 points on level 19. I didn't get anywhere near level 19. Mm. So the, the fruits are worth a lot of points. And what happens is, on the later levels, when, when there's more skull icons all around the screen, you can get up to six. 
when the four meanies have come out and you've got a, uh, a fruit, the fruit remains gone in the middle of the screen. But when a meanie kills himself on a skull and goes back into the centre, when he comes out again, the fruit is replenished. So you can keep doing this, making the bugs kill themselves and keep going back and grabbing the fruit. So what I tend to do is I camp out when I've done most of the level to the right-hand side a little bit above the centre. And you can use the turnstiles because the meanies will always be able to get to you. They will get to you eventually. But you can just yeah. quickly turn a turnstile, let them go through and turn it back. So it can't, it's got to go all the way around the houses to get to you again. And you can do that a lot to keep the meanies out of the way until the fruit comes and go and grab the fruit. And when the fruit is collected... The meanies are held captive. They stay still for a few seconds and it plays this tune. In that time, you can go around, run around and get stuff. But if you run into a meanie when they're, they're static, you can still get killed on them. So don't run into them. So the graphics and the sound. Uh, very cute, simple graphics for an old game. 1981? Mm. Yeah, typical Universal. I like the graphics. Yeah, really colourful, aren't they? A lot of Universal yeah. games are really colourful. Yeah. Sort of clowny graphics. Uh, the wiggly bugs are quite well animated, some of them. Mm. Uh, annoying, though, because when they kill you, they are very annoying. Yes. You get a really cute cutscene when you actually get an extra life with extra. Ladybug does a little dance around the garden scene and walks down to where your remaining lives are and adds another life to your livestock. When you get your name onto the high score table, you have to go and run over the letters you wish to use with your ladybug to insert them into the table. Another nice touch. That's annoying and slow, like the whole game. Oh! Oh, me elbow. I'm sure you're going to agree with me by the end of the time. <laughs> no, I don't think I am, mate. Or, or you may have some blood loss. <laughs> when you lose your life as well when you die, your ladybug shrinks into nothing, Pac-Man style and little halo and wings fly upwards. That's a nice little touch as well. Plays a little I tune. do like that bit. So some nice little touches to it, and it's, mm. it's quite a simple old game, but I, I fell in love with it. Mm. I love it. So the cabinet art, great universal art as ever, but only generic side art. The cabs were very generic, and they had some nice bezel art and uh, control panel art, and also nice marquee. Great universal art, yeah. It came in a generic universal upright, which is the same as Mr. Do or the Mr. Do series or Jumping Jack, etc., and it had a generic universal cocktail. A German-licensed wall mount is also available, and I really want it. I'm working towards getting one of those as we speak. Right. With my feet, I'm doing it. So the Orcade world record goes to Ben Falls, who's a known high scorer, who's got 251,560 points from October 2010, which is a massive score. That's a lot. Right then, shall we do scores? And I would like to read these ones out. You certainly can. I've had a lot of players. In fact, have we had a record amount? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, including us two, eighteen players, which is incredible. Thank yeah. you for playing, guys. A couple of new players as well. Thank you. Yeah, good, good for them. Right then, we have at the very bottom of the list Andrew Anderson, ten thousand eight hundred ninety points. Uh, Paul Hayhurst, twelve thousand eight hundred ninety. Rob, player missile, twenty thousand one hundred forty. So you're not bottom, Rob. Well done. <laughs> Ed Horse using his hooves on the single joystick. 28,730. You missed Andrew Driver. Oh, missed Andrew Driver. 21,510. Thank you. Mr. Sean Holly, in your face. 51,890. Good effort, since you didn't like the game. That's all I can manage. Brackets, what's wrong with you? Mad Steve, 55,270. Lesley, 70. 56,400. Ross Super Gotaku, 83,050. I'm saying anything above 50,000 is a really good score. 
1637. Oh, we missed this one out. 68,170. We've gone back a bit there. I think Neil's got a higher score than that now. Okay, we shall Hang amend on. that later then. Yes. Tin, 72,940. Cinecaster, 80,100. Getting some good scores now. Mark Happy Dude, 83,410. Mark K, 89,960. Greg Pell, 94,020. Right, we're getting up to 100 Kers here. Charlie Farr, 130,480. Have you noticed my name hasn't been called out yet? I have. So, in your face, Charlie Farr. <laughs> and me. You can do in your face, Sean Holly. Go on, do it. In your face, Sean Holly. Oh! Tronads, 162,600. Yeah. In your face. No, you've beat him. <laughs> Victor, I am a lady bugger. Um, 162,650 points. You beat him by 50? No, that's a bit of a lie. Oh. But in your face anyway, Tronads, you beat me Saturday morning, you swine. I'd beaten everyone up until that point. What did you get? I had 154,040 points. Colossal scores there. He just beat me. He said he had one last game. I bet he was playing non-stop to beat me on that. So, well done, flipping Tronads. Anyone who's got that higher score on this game deserves... A medal. Well a done. A medal and a straight jacket. I don't know what's wrong with you, pal. It was <laughs> awesome. So, I played it non-stop this morning. I must have had about three hours solid on it, and I could not beat it. I was... When you told me a message of the night, you said... I think I saw it on Twitter. He put it up there saying, one last go. Mm. And he beat my score. I was... I was deflated. It like someone popped me. I was like a balloon. Oh. I was limp. Giggity giggity. Oh, I just pooped a little. <laughs> Even wife said, don't worry, you'll be it. I was like, no, I won't. I tried my hardest, but I couldn't do it. But I'm going to continue playing, and mm. hopefully I will have a cabinet before long. Mm. And I want to play this at Steve's meet next week. So, Steve, get a 61 in there, son. Oh, God. Right, we've got a bit of trivia. I'm going to make you play it with me as well, two-player. Oh, Christ. I'm going to sellotape your hands to the joystick. I'm going to gaffer tape you in. Well, 1942 is on 16 once, why she'll sneakily change the game and blindfold you. Okay. So we've got a bit of trivia about it. Mm. According to Wikipedia, Ladybug was not a major arcade hit, but did just all right in the arcades. No, it didn't. It was awesome. But was recognised for its originality within the maze game genre. In January 83, the 1982 Arky Awards gave it a certificate of merit as runner-up for most innovative coin-op game. You must admit, the mechanics of the game are clever. It is, yeah. And and the bonuses are kind of clever. Yeah, it's a take on Pac-Man with added bonuses. And the fact that you can change the maze puts mm. the whole game on its head, really, I think. There's a few others that do that, and then Lock and Chase does it. And yes, that's right. I don't right. know what came first, actually. Mm, yeah, have similar games. But Lock and Chase is harder, I think. Yeah. I enjoy playing that on the Intellivision, because it's a little bit easier on there. I, I had a look at these Arky Awards that are yeah, on Yeah, interesting, aren't they? And it's a magazine called Electronic Games that ran from a long... A oh, long yeah, time. I've heard of that, yeah. Under various names, really, from mm. 1981 to 1997, and they did an annual game sort of awards, really, maybe the first game awards. Yeah. And so you've got, like, 1979, you've got Game of the Year, Space Invaders. Of course, <laughs> of course. Best Pong variant. You've got different categories. Oh, like there's I- loads of them, yeah. And they could only, you could only have a game mentioned once in a category, so it couldn't win more than one category. So oh, I ga- see, yeah. Game of the Year 1980, Superman on the Atari VCS. Oh. Well, I suppose it sold a lot, didn't it? Because 1980 mm. was Superman mad, wasn't it? 
Mm, so Ladybug got an honourable mention cool. in 1981, was it? 82. 82. Cool. Mm. So also, I noticed this when I was playing two-player with Mr. Tronads. You play alternately. If you if you are completing le- levels without losing lives, um, the next player plays on. You don't, you don't play until you die, which is a bit odd. And you'd only notice that if you played two players. But I think Mr. Do is the same. A lot of Universal games play that, I think. Yeah. It tells you which player's playing, so you don't get confused. But if someone's really good at it, like me, <laughs> well, nearly, and I'm playing really well, you, your mate who's playing who's not so good doesn't have to wait forever for you to die. You get a go when he's completing a level. Mm. Golf cool. does that. That's, that's a good... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, cool. I never played two-player on golf. That's probably why I don't know. Uh, I hadn't till. When was it last year? And I played with, uh, I think it was Lesley, yeah. That's a good idea, cool. Mm. Uh, ports and sequels. In television and ColecoVision got good ports. The Coleco version had an alternative bonus garden level. Because I forgot to mention, if you get the red letters, the word special, you get an extra credit for the game. But that's pretty useless if you're playing in your own cabinet and you don't need to put coins in. So the red, the red letters for me were just for bonus points. But on the Coleco version, if you get the word special, which is very hard, I've never done it, mm. you get, it wouldn't be a free credit on the home version, you actually get a vegetable harvest, which is a, a level full of veg, and you get a timed limit where you can go and eat loads of bonus points. Oh, which is a nice wow. little touch, but unfortunately the poor television doesn't have that. Mm. There was a clone entitled Bumblebee with altered graphics, which was released in the 80s by Micropower for the BBC B, Acorn Electron, and Commodore 64. Right. An Atari 2600 version, which I have seen, was supposed to have been made, but wasn't released. But it mm. looks really good. The screenshot scene looks excellent. Hopefully, someone's completed it and released it on the homebrew, maybe. So, overall thoughts, uh, not many improvements can be made, because it's brilliant. What do you I, I've got an improvement. I just Let me just get my, uh, my knuckle duster on a minute. Switch it off. Play Flicky. Improvement level equal 100. Yeah, but I got 154,000, so that's even better. I've got 1.5 million on the far superior Flicky, young man. Easy game, though, isn't it? All them points, which uh, I, no, which I didn't get when we played not, it. Not at all. No. This game is awesome because play, clever play mechanics. However, the difficulty ramps up very quickly, and I only got to level 10 or 11, maybe. The bad guys after level five are way quicker than you. And I've watched videos on people getting over 200,000 on it. And I think when it gets to that level, it doesn't become much of a fun game because you've got to camp out a lot and just sneak out quickly and get stuff. So it becomes too hard too quick, I think. And I don't Mm. even think the world record holder would get to level 19 when the the fruits in the middle are worth 9,500 points. But as the game goes on, right. the points drastically increase because when there's six skulls out and the monsters come out really quickly, the middle fruit is available a lot. So mm. when you get it and the monsters die again, you've got another one, and you can get up to like six fruits on one level if you're lucky. Mm. So if you're getting six times, say, 4,000, which is level about eight, I think, that's a lot of points for one level. Plus, if you can get the red letters, 4,000 points each as well. And there's got to be 100 or so flowers on the screen at 50 points each as well. So there's a lot of points we had later on, but the speed is just so quick. Because mm. after level two, they go a little bit quicker than you. At level five, they're way quicker than you. You cannot outrun them. Because when you're in level one or two, if you're going along a straight piece, you can outrun them. And they usually go left or right, and they will stop following you. They don't actually come for you. Mm. But if you're turning corners, they're a little bit quicker than you. 
So your cornering skills got to be good on this, and you will not outrun them around a corner. Right. Do you want my thoughts on it? Go on, then. We'd sort of know what they are already, Mister. Yeah. Curmudgeon, Holly. <laughs> I know I'm like because it's a podcast game. I normally really try to get into them, and unless it's something that really turns me off, yeah. I can't. I just can't force myself to get into them. And this is one of them. Volfide, I remember being another one. You're a loser. I just. I, I must have had. I'd say. 15 games max I've had of this. Yeah. I've had about 1,500. I know. It's just not for me. It just really isn't. I've found the controls frustrating and clunky, getting stuck on the corners all the time. You're frustrating, you're clunky, and you (laughs) get stuck on corners all the time, Mr. Can't Use a (laughs) Four-Way. No. (laughs) And I just, I found myself just waiting next to the letters to turn red, getting getting the bonus multipliers, and then just getting the eighth, four thousands. Yeah. And that was boring to me. But I can appreciate that there's deep scoring mechanics in it, like a lot of Universal games. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I just didn't. I just did not like it at all. And I will never be playing this game again, not even at Steve's meet. Until I duct tape your hand to the joystick. Yes, but with my feet, I will be playing 90... No, that's not (laughs) going to work. I played it with my feet that time, remember? You played 1942, your feet are my cap. We've still got a video of that. I did a, I did a level, didn't I? I completed yeah. a level with my feet. <laughs> <laughs> that was some skill. It was. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Because it's not like Pac-Man when your character's moving all the time, mm. you can get stuck on corners. You've actually got to, if you want to go left, you've got to hold left to go left. Yeah. And if you're not quick and good with your cornering skills, you can get stuck. I have got stuck a few times and it is frustrating. But what the only thing they could probably do, maybe our friend Sea Monkey, Mr. Adrian, could go in the code and maybe alter it a little bit. So when you do get stuck between a corridor, it will automatically make you go around the corridor rather than getting stuck in the middle because you can get stuck. Mm. So the other maze games that you've chosen... Eyes was good. Yeah, I chose that one because I love it. Mm, it's a brilliant game. But stuff like Turtles, I thought, oh. I'm never, never going to get into this. But you did though, didn't you? It, it, it made me persevere. There was just something in it that made me, and I really like that. And Mr. Uncle Pooh. Uncle Pooh, yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic game. I'm really glad we chose that. Because I always thought I wasn't that into maze games because I'm never really a fan of Pac-Man. But yeah. I find myself liking them more than anything else. And Pulsar, another one I thought, oh dear, oh, yeah. this is terrible. But that's really good. But it's just this one. I, I just There's something about it that does not gel and I do not like it. Yeah, I understand. Mm. But I, I was finding myself, I was actually creating my own tactics when I was doing it. Mm. You know, you sort of, when it first comes up, they're telling you what's going on the screen. I'm looking for that as I need in yellow. And then when the game starts, working out where the blue ones are with the hearts in. Yeah. So I make around to get them quickly, get the three quickly. So everything's worth five times. And then looking for the yellow ones and then hanging around safely somewhere or hemming myself in as much as I can to get a red one. And the timing as well, because... It seems to take longer than you think always from to go from blue to red. But if you can sort of eat round and, and make use of your time eating stuff while, until you get to where it goes red, mm. the game becomes more fluid, but it's hard to get the timing right on it. And mm. sometimes when you, you flick a turnstile, a monster can go on the other side of it and get where you are, which is not what you want. You want to move him out and not in where you are. And that is a bit of a problem, but it's just part of the game, I suppose. It can be frustrating, yeah. but half the time I'd been too greedy or I'd gone too far on the risk-reward element and risked more than rewarded myself. And yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Got right into it and I want the cabinet. Just because the cabinet looks lovely, especially because it's a wall mount and I like wall mounts. Yeah. 
But I like the game, and if I get bored of it, I can put Frogger in there because it's a, just a joystick game, or Ms. Pac-Man. Mm. And I'm sure there's a few other games that I can't think of, which is just joysticks. I, th- I think I like games that like fluid controls. I call shoot 'em up. You've got eight-way directions. You can go anywhere. Yeah. And this this is like a strict four-way control. Yeah, but so was eyes, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but that you moved all the time on that Pac-Man style. Oh yes, that's correct. Maybe yeah, that's why I liked it. Yeah, so you've got to keep going, haven't you? You can't get stuck on stuff, I suppose. And also games like Sunset Riders, where you've got a very oh, no. agile character that can jump in. You know, he can duck down and he can jump and he can move direction while he's jumping. I think that turned you off, didn't it? That kind of control. Yeah, it's guy. unnatural. He was up and down like a fiddler's elbow. Oh, but I, I think it's that kind of control in a game that I love. And anything that's a bit, you've got to be so precise to get through them turnstiles, haven't you? Right. I'm going to go and make a list of all the games where you need to be precise on mazes for all my games to come in in, in the future. <laughs> you can beat me on everything. And also ones that Tronad's not very good at, or Charlie yeah. Far. That's Swines. not many. Swines. It's brilliant on Joust now, Charlie Farr. I thought he'd have a go on Joust. Tell him to play Balloon Fight. Mm. They won't have one at Arcade Club at the moment because it's, it's usually on a versus cab. In a red tent. Or a red tent, yeah, and it's a really cool game. I think it's better than Joust. Tell him about it. You can play it on main. Mm. Well, then, that's that game about covered. I loved it. You didn't think much of it. No. Take that. <laughs> a ping? Yeah, thank you. I love a ping. So, let's do the art... Of side art. Yes, this is a good one that I've chosen. What it is, it's a conversion for a Galaxian cab, that nasty Galaxian game that no one likes. Yeah, no one plays that. And it's been a, a far superior game called Beezer. Have you played it? No. It's not. It's carry it's, on. <laughs> it's it's a similar kind of thing where you move the maze around, isn't it? Yes, with a trackball. Yeah. But this game looks absolutely beautiful they did a really good job on the artwork maybe Mm. if they'd done a better job on the game he might have been more popular yeah so the picture we've got up there is um it's like a flyer and it's got a guy with his kids just converting that old rubbish he's got in the garage he's got like a he's got um he's got like a a roll of artwork and got a panel and stuff and it just shows him doing it upright which you wouldn't be able to do you could not (laughs) do successfully a full upright print on a cab that's up on its end. You have to put it on its flat and you need a squeegee and blah, 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 like I told you last time. Yeah. So it's a bit a bit of a rubbish flyer, but the kids are all looking happy and stuff with it afterwards. It's a really cool looking game, but it's got all these bees, these angry looking bees on the sides, full side art. It's really, really nice. Yeah, I like the font on it as well. It's got like a sort of pinky ready font with bees are on it. You've got a sort yeah. of fun looking bee on the side and some really angry looking lady bees. Another little one coming out of an egg, which is weird. I don't think that happens. It's got actual kick panel art as well on the whole front of the cab. Mm. Really nice. And the kids are even getting involved with the um, the conversion as well. Yep. And then they're playing it. Dad, it's great. It's so much better than blasting aliens. Meh. That's not. <laughs> but anyway, nice looking cab. Not so sure about the game. I bet it's really rare though. I bet the I bet the side art's really rare. You probably won't ever see one of those ever again. Yeah, I put actually Beezer into Google, and guess whose name came up? Who? Joe Majira, the guy who has the Aka R cab that oh, I spoke to. Oh, he's got one, has he? He's got one, and hopefully he's going to send us some photos, because on these flyer photos, you can't see the bezel art very well. Can oh, yeah, you? cheers, Joe. That'd be brilliant. So if he can, that'd be excellent. I'm just trying to get in contact with him at the moment. Yeah, because this was released by a game called Intrepid. Mm. Never heard of him before. Maybe that was the only game they ever did. 
Could be. Could it was be, an yeah. encore retro kit. <laughs> okay. God, fan- fancy if you converted Galaxian and now you no. and you've got one of these now. Well, yeah. I mean, I... mind you, they're super rare though. So. They're super rare. Yeah, I've never seen one before. So it's usually releases from this month in history, but you've put a great big dirty cross through it. Yeah. Why is that? And I've put bored with that. How about this? I've thought up something else, Vic. Go on then. New feature. Because that's ran for at least well a year and a half, and it's so I've thought of hardware heroes. A look at different board sets, control schemes, cab styles, whatever takes our fancy. So it's not so, hard heroes. Get no. to the jabber. <laughs> oh, okay. Hardware Heroes. Yes, this, the first Hardware Hero is going to be the Toa Plan. Oh, version. what a surprise. You oh, Toa Plan. Up the Toa Plan massive. Whoop, whoop. The Toa Plan version 2. <laughs> okay. PCB hardware. Okay, so what games were on this? Well, it was produced... By Toaplan, obviously, and it was used from 1991 to 99. Oh, my nine Lord. Years, eight and nine been, years. That must have been really advanced to last that long. Well, I think it's more of a case of Toaplan used it for a start, then Aiton and Ryzen used it, and they were some of the same guys, so I think they just knew the hardware. Okay, yeah. They had a 68,000 Motorola in it at 10 megahertz, which they increased to 16 megahertz on subsequent builds. Ooh, what are the 6 megahertz? Oh, you can't go wrong. Uh, also, it had a Z80 at 4 megahertz, a sub-CPU, a helper CPU on some of the boards. Yeah. The sound chips changed quite a lot from a basic Yamaha. This is going to mean a lot to some people, you know. Mm. Yamaha YM3812, and it went up to a YMZ280B-F. Oh, that Dash F makes all the difference. With a DAC and but also an Oki 6295. We joke about these things here, but those games had excellent music. Yes. Is that sort of synthy, guitar riffy kind of music? So that was really good music on those boards. And I think the thing that made it last so long, it had Toaplan's own custom graphics chip. Ah, oh, yeah, cool. The first, the Toaplan version one hardware, they built specifically for shooters. And I, th- I think this one, they made it a bit more flexible. Yeah. So it's 15 games made on this hardware. Mm-hmm. The first lot was just Toa Plant. So from 1991 till they closed in 94, you got Gox, which is that weird Arkanoid clone in Toa Plant's own yeah, strange that. style. That's quite good. Yeah, it's all right. right. Yeah. Techie Packy, which is that Puyo Puyo kind of thing. I like those games. I don't think I've played that one, though. Pippi and Bibbies, also called Whoopi, which is that elevator action one with a bit of dirty ladies. Do you know what? It's a bit of a shame, that, because it's actually a really good elevator action game. Mm, I wish you could turn that off. Yeah, I mean, because kids would love it, because it's a really kiddie sort of looking game, really sort of cutesy graphics and stuff. Then when mm. you do a level, you get laid, naked ladies taking their clothes off. Mm. Pointless. Truxton 2. Yep, one of your right. faves. Yeah, Grindstormer, or also called V5, Doggy mm-hmm. Yoon, Fixate, all these good shooters. Knuckle Bash, which is their Toa Plan's taken final fight. Wasn't that a bit rubbish, that game? It was, but it's kind of got a cult following because it's so camp. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. It's we, the campest beat-em-up ever. We spoke about it when you did your Toa Plan special, didn't we? Yeah. That's right. That's the gun, one of the greatest. Another one of your favourites. The greatest shoot-em-ups in the history of shoot-em-ups, and the shoot-em-up is obviously the greatest game ever. Okay. Snow Brothers 2, which was actually released by Hanafram after Toa Plan closed, but they did make it. Mm-hmm. And then 1993 to 99, you've got 18 Rising's games. Yeah. 
either made by 18 or Rising or both, but they were the same company. Saucer Striker, also called Mahu Daisakusen. Is that where they throw saucers at each other? No, I think it, I think it means sorcerer, doesn't it, really? I say, use your source of the correct procedure. I'm going to throw a plate at your cranium. Ow! That's twice I've used cranium in one podcast. It's my favourite word. 1984 Kingdom Kingdom Grand Prix or Shippu Mahu Daisakusen, the second in the series, and there is one more. Mm-hmm. 1996, what com called the best shooter map ever, Battle Garega was Battle made. Battle Garage. Battle Garage was made on Toa Plan version 2 hardware. Mm-hmm. And then Armed Police Batrider, which I've played quite a bit for the Shoot'em Up League. That's a great game. It's popular, very popular. And the last game on this hardware, a sequel to Battle Garage, Battle Bat Garage. Yeah, Battle Backraid. Battle Backraid. Yeah, very popular games. And there's two other unverified games, if you look on Mame Dev, by Sunwise. One was called Power Kick. Okay. Which is a football redemption game which may have used a Toa Plan graphics chip. And the same company, Sunwise, did something called Othello Derby, which is horse racing mixed with Othello. And that looks like it may have been the Toa Plan. Riveting. So that is the first Hardware Heroes. We we salute you. Okay. Is that a word? Yes, it is now. We salute you, Toa Plan version 2 PCB. Enough of this nonsense. Yes. That's a good feature, actually. I like that a lot. There's loads of hardware I would like to nominate. Oh, yeah. Next show's game is mm. going to be a listener pick, and we cannot remember who picked it. <laughs> no, we can't, can we? We were going to use Sarge's, who mentioned Timber a while back. Yeah. But you're not into Timber? You know why? I had a quick go of it, and I thought it was all right. So we may do that on the future. Because this one, you've, you've also said... Uh, someone suggested it. I can't remember who suggested it, but please tell us if you suggested it. Yeah. Is gun smoke. Gun dot smoke. Gun dot smoke. That's right. Why has it got a dot on it? I don't know. I don't know either. It is based on an old, um, I think it's American kind of drama, black and white drama thing that ran for almost 30 years. You're joking. A cowboy thing. Series oh, so somebody's gun- done some research already. Called Gunsmoke. Okay. It's only in, it's only in MAME info. Right, okay. Mm. Right, we can play this on our 16 ones on a cabinet, can't we? Mm. And right, the way we're going to play this is the level, the settings on it will be three lives. Yeah. Normal difficulty. Yeah. You get an extra life at 30,000, 100,000, and 100,000 plus. I think that's every 100,000 after that, yeah? That's it, yeah. yeah. I'll never get that many lives. <laughs> and also, if you're playing on a 16 one, you've got a choice of using three buttons. Yeah. You can shoot left, forward, and right, and a combination of the two, or you can play with one button. Are we going to allow that? Yes, because I've got. A, if I'm going to play it on my cab, I need to play it with one button because I've only got two buttons on the cab. Right, I think it'll be harder, you know, because it will turn it into like a commando style game instead of. Uh, anyway, I'll leave it up to you. Yeah, because you be can hard. shoot if you hold like the left button and the right button out of the three, you can shoot both directions at once. With can you? His, yeah. Because oh, right. that's how you do it. You can press the middle one and the left one to shoot forwards and left. Right, so maybe right. I'll play on a joystick on MAME instead. Or maybe I'll put in another cab. That'd be an mm. idea, wouldn't it? I can put it on one of yeah. the ponies. Whack it in a pony. Mm. Okay, so if you want to play one button or three, we don't mind. I don't think there's any advantage to playing one or three. So everyone to mm. play it, kids. Yeah. So, play Gunsmoke. Yeah, on 60 and one or MAME or whatever you've got. So it'd be good. Yes. So, and before we go... I'm going to change out a game on my fantasy cab list. I can't remember what I've changed it from, but I'm going to put the Ladybug Wall Mount in there. You mad fool. No. 
And when you come round next, I'm going to just turn that one on and say, no, the other games are all broken. You've got to play this with me. <laughs> oh, dear. And on that ladybug note, I shall don my ladybug mask again, which I'm going to put a picture on the show notes. And we'll be going. You Thanks actually, for listening. You've drawn a mask, coloured it in red, <laughs> put some black spots on it, and you call me mad. I use my crayons for that. Shut up, you. <laughs> Thanks you for listening. Put a picture of that on. And goodbye. We'll see you in two weeks' time. Yes, thank you for listening. Goodbye. And thank you for all the feedback and everyone playing their games. We really appreciate it. Ta! Goodbye. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10 and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 